welcome in, welcome in, welcome back once again to a to an, an isolation version, I think I'd call it, Brandon, of three in, three out. You and I quarantining, you know, basically across the country here, me here, you there. I'm in Connecticut, you're over in Montana, which is kind of like self-isolation to begin with of the of the Americas, if you will. Brandon, how you doing? How's the how's the off-season been treating you? And on a human level, how are things with your family, your friends, your community? How's everything in this uh this day and age of the COVID-19 pandemic. Yes, welcome to Montana, where we've been doing isolation since the 1800s. You know, yeah, so. doing it damn well. Doing it well. <laughs> I'm doing good, man. It's uh, It's been fun. I've uh, been, uh, I, I built a, uh, I got one of those arcade machines. Nice. The, like the Street Fighter machines and, and made it so you can play just about any old arcade games on it. So that's been my isolation project for over this, this past weekend. All right, we're going to scrap the three in, three out. We're obviously <laughs> going to talk about old old school, the 80s, 90s arcade, I have to know. So you're, you're rigging this thing. Yeah. What other games, like, you know, top three, top four other games did you kind of punch up that you can now play? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so the ones that I'm most excited about are uh, the Ninja Turtles arcade. Sure. Uh, Simpsons arcade. Love that. You know the Simpsons fan that oh, I am. See, yeah. that, that game, it takes me back. I remember uh, being... Uh, a, a kid and probably, let's see, early teens, maybe. And being in line, my dad taking me to go see Terminator 2, you know, before sure, I'm yeah. even old enough to see R-rated movies. But because I had my dad with me and my friends and I playing Simpsons, like almost all the way through before the movie started. So that that one has a very specific memory to me. Love it. Love it. That Simpsons is a great game. Great game. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing that. And oh, NBA Jam is oh, the other one. Oh, he's Amazing, yeah. Sean always, Kemp, Detlef Shrimp. You gotta, uh, you gotta go with oh those my two God, guys. The Sonics. The, I, I have left the NBA behind. I was. People may not know this. I am. Um, I was a huge SuperSonics fan. That was that was my NBA team. My Mets fan, an Islander fan, and Seahawks and SuperSonics. And the moment they left, I've been done with the NBA since until they come back. Uh, but NBA Jam, man, what a! I also back you know not even that long ago started using the uh, the Boom Shaka Locket. You know, when Lockett would go do yes. some things, I, I would match, mat, you know, mash that up with NBA Jam. So, yeah, man, that's uh, another absolute classic. Love it. And then the other, if you go back even farther, my other game that I love is 1943. I don't, I'm assuming that's like a bombing raid game or something yeah, like that. It's one of the like shooter World games where you're the airplane, you take yeah. off from the aircraft carrier and it's like the Battle of Midway. Oh, there you go. Well, we, we were just talking about the, the World War II before we hopped on here. So I know a lot about Midway now, which is, which is amazing. Very cool. Now that's uh, the 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 one that you didn't mention that I would probably put. Now you mentioned a lot of great ones there. Ones that I would definitely rig up if I could. I would I would definitely bring in uh, Gauntlet. Gauntlet yes. was was an absolute classic. And then you got to choose choose your your dude. Usually I was like the Ultimate Warrior looking guy with the axe, the barbarian uh -huh. guy, just because he kind of looked like the Ultimate Warrior. And speaking of him. This the the WWF wrestling you know yeah game I itself. did put that on there I haven't yes. I haven't got into it yet but I'm like ooh this looks like fun oh it's so good yeah I actually <laughs> loved DiBiase for some reason he was like always my dude to go to maybe I just like you know the money I don't know maybe I'm attracted maybe that's what I am you know after but it, it all comes down to I'm just attracted to the money yeah so but that's that's very cool what a what a what a fun project and things over in Connecticut. I want to tell folks who are listening, I live up the coast, about two hours outside Manhattan. If you look at like one of those New York Times maps, you would think that Connecticut has like melted by now. And, you know, yes, we have our problems and yes, we have people in the hospital, but all is not lost. Uh, you know, my part of Connecticut is pretty quiet and um, thankfully, knock on wood, mostly unaffected in, in our area. Although, of course, there are some families suffering and we're we're thinking about them and trying, trying to help them out in every way we can. But with that, Kind of have, you know, it's 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 picking up a lot of guitar, playing lots of guitar uh, and hanging out with the kids and and having some fun and, and helping my wife with her her fitness videos. And besides that, just, you know, trying to go a day at a time and not drink too much and trying to follow along with as much Seahawks content as we can with free agency going on. It's the one part of the sports world that we still get a little bit of a piece of with free agency going on with the draft coming up where. Uh, in a way, I, we're kind of in the sweet spot for the sports world with the NFL because nothing has really had to change yet. Yeah. You know, if you had to pick a time, I was thinking of this, like just overall, I, I try to practice. Um, and I mean that like sincerely, I try to practice gratitude. I even I have, a, I have a journal that I keep that is focused on uh, on daily, daily reflections that are about being grateful. 
So it helps in times like this. And one of the big things for me was, you know what, if it had to happen, this is not the worst time for it to happen. You know, like it's, it will, we should be out of this by summer and we still have all these great distractions with, uh, with NFL free agency, the draft coming up. And this is the kind of time of year where I wouldn't really be watching that much sports quite yet anyway. And, uh, so I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm yes, surviving. It's all on- about how does this impact me and my personal feelings? Like I said, gratitude. I'm working on that. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a me, me, me type thing. And, and, and yes, I, I agree. But yeah, we got, we do have lots to talk about. So, Brandon, we ha- we have that that one rule. We have that one rule for three in, three out. Remind the the listeners, the viewers already. What's our rule on three in, three out? Well, it is when we win, we start with an in. Have yeah. It, so yeah. It, it does this this brings up the question: Have the Seahawks already won the off season? You know what? I mean, you you can't win the offseason the first quarter, right? <laughs> and, and you can't win the offseason the second quarter. However, I'm going to dive right into a first in and tell you why we've already won and why, why it's a win and why we're in. Are, are you ready for it? Let's do it. All right, Brandon. So this in, I'll keep it punchy. I'll keep it pithy. I just want to give it to you. And then you, you, you take it, you do what you want with it. You fire it back. My first in is just a punchy one. We are winning. This is decidedly a win. Number one in. Jermaine Erfetti is no longer a Seattle Seahawk. In. Yes. Uh, that that does seem like right off the board. I don't even know if that... Let's just go to to, to the out now. I think that just the in speaks for itself, Glenn, because... You could just let, <laughs> let a dog lie, right? It's just like, I don't know if Chicago could do what they want to do. Chicago's making some... I don't know what would you call them interesting signings. It's it's they're having a very bizarre off season in in my in my yeah, opinion. The Chicago Bears are doing things. They are they are doing all the things, and the, it seems to be a lot of the wrong things. Paying Jimmy Graham a whole bunch of money. Oh, uh, so I mean, what do they get? Like still like nine million a year for Graham? Was yeah, that nine million guaranteed? And oh, it's my. two years, sixteen oh. million total. Oh my goodness! Bringing in I mean, Nick Foles. I mean, that's, that's a C maybe, you know, that could end, could end up being a D plus. Maybe it's a C plus at the max it, in a year when you've got other quarterbacks out there too. It's not like you can't just go grab Cam. I know there's people that feel one way or another about Cam, but Cam or Foles, I'm sorry. Give me, give me Cam Newton all day on that one. So is the end that the Seahawks aren't the Bears? Because that's... <laughs> No, 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 okay. it's not that. It's no, 30, 31 other teams are not the Bears. It's just that Afedi is no longer a Seahawk. Like, that's it. That's that's the id. And you know what? I like it. Let's keep it there. Everybody who listens to this show, I'd say mostly everybody, they get it. <laughs> we, we could just leave it yes, there. How and say, many, we will never have an Afedi out again on this podcast. I hope to God that you're right. All right, so three in, three out for those that don't know it. Maybe this is your first time coming to it. Maybe you're bored because of the because of all that's going on. That's okay. We'll you know give us give us your huddled masses. We'll take you all. It's all good. But three in, three out is a you know a unique look, right, Brandon, into the Seahawks, where we look at like three things that are on the inside of the ledger, three things that are on the outside of the ledger that are not you know not happening the way we want them, and we don't like to talk about the most obvious stuff. So we're not going to talk about Clowney here and the things that most people are talking about. Yes, I want Everson Griffin too. We're not going to talk about Everson Griffin. Those are kind of the the things that that everybody is chatting about. So this first out, I think really qualifies into that, that nook and that cranny. And it might, it might come as a bit of a, a surprise or a shock. My first out is, I'm not gonna even going to qualify it. Let's put it out there. I was really saddened when the Jets signed George Al, Al Woods. <laughs> Al Woods. The, ja- the Jaguars signed Al Woods. When the Jaguars signed <laughs> Al Woods. Yeah, the, that J I team. Was, that J, yeah, that J team. Okay, you know, we're not going to edit. It's the offseason, people. It's, this is, this is what you, you, you get. Don't make me edit this. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you do not need to edit that. My my idiocy can shine through for all to, uh, to hear that. That's okay. It will not be the last time. That That's for sure. But- um, so it's for me, it's not it's not so much Al Woods the guy because I understand like he you know broke rules at the end of the year and missed the last four games and uh, that carried into the playoffs and we had a we had a big hole in the middle once once he was gone we mm-hmm. we really suffered I 
I was like holding out hope that that could be patched up for, I think it was two and a half million dollars that you can get a really good DT who is a bona fide run stuffer that can cause a little bit of disruption, but really he's, he's a big ass body and he, and he's just takes up space and he, you know, he knows his assignments. He's a very, very good defensive tackle. So for two and a half million, I was upset. I didn't think Al Woods would stick with us. But just the notion that we lost that dude and I saw what kind of hole that caused last year, that lands as a first out for me. I'm hopeful we could fill that in. But, you know, we, right now I got this, this big hole in the floor and I'm looking for some putty. So give me some putty, Brandon. What do you think happens to that, that hole that Al Woods leaves in my heart? Well, the thing is, is the Seahawks, they always seem to find a guy who fits the Al Woods mold, maybe not in the massive thigh arms that he has, <laughs> but I know we're going to miss that. But they find a guy, whether it's Shamar Stefan, who came in before and his time with the Vikings, whether it was go back to Ataba Rubin and his presence in the middle, they find the guy who can stop the run. But I know what you're saying because Al Woods, you know, it's not like it's an expensive contract and, you know, could they have paid that kind of minimum amount of money to keep him around? Sure. But I guess when there's guys out there still like Timmy Jernigan from the Eagles, Mike Daniels, you know, if they could get somebody like that, then you would be upgrading the position. So I, I guess, you know, in terms of losing old thigh arms, because I, I do, I always like the name so much. That's definitely an out. But this this does offer them the ability to upgrade, I think. I, I'm with you. I agree. I agree with you. And and they have this is a space for sure that year in, year out, they have found, you know, quote unquote, a Al Woods or an Al Woods. And uh so I do agree that that will probably be remedied and through some, you know, some free agent and and maybe, maybe just maybe late, who knows. I don't think this is something you plug in from uh, from the draft per se. Not that you don't go get somebody if like a Jaron Reed's there mm-hmm. type. Um, however, a plug and play veteran is is probably what they're going to go do. But when I looked at that and then the loss of Jefferson, I just I see a big hole there because I just remember when Jefferson kind of got hurt later in the year when Woods was suspended. You know that that combination of Puna and and Reed. It just wasn't enough at that point. We were starting to get uh, late in the year. We're starting to get run over again. I'm like, damn, we've got to figure that out. Because when we had the rotational people in there, let's say three or four weeks after Reed came off a suspension, there was like a four to five week span there where that that defensive line from a run, uh, you know, run defense was like really damn good. Top five in the NFL. And then then it got injured and kind of deteriorated with Clowney getting hurt, who's who's really, really exceptional against the run himself. So I'm very hopeful, but I'm gonna miss old thigh arms. And maybe it's maybe it's partly because of that amazing nickname, but but he is our first out. Let's see who we pick up and plug and play in that uh that's that outwood spot. But to you, old thigh arms, we drink. I just like how we we toasted uh, on a podcast that nobody can see where we're actually doing the, the toast. <laughs> that they they could feel it though, like it's like I hope you know, you felt that like, toast. Yeah, I, I felt it was like electromagnetism. You know, you could feel the toast, and and the pause, the pregnant pause, allows people to understand what's going there. So it's nice. All right, so we're back to the fun side of the ledger, the inside of the ledger. So, Brandon, you had asked, uh, I think it was on Facebook, on the Seahawkers Pod, Ring of Honor, uh, Facebook group, which, by the way, we talk about it all the time. But if you're not in the Seahawkers Pod, Ring of Honor, do yourself a favor. Go to getintheflock.com. Look at the different levels. Look how you get involved. Even in the offseason, it's a vibrant community, and these are some of the most most fun people that I've got to meet over the last couple of years because of the community you created with with Adam. So thank you for that. And you had posted on on there maybe a couple of weeks ago. You you kind of said, "Hey, what are some of, you know, what are some questions you want uh, Adam and I to answer on this upcoming one?" My question to you both was, "Who do you think the KJ Wright uh signing of 2019 is going to be? 2020 is going to be. I, I apologize. In 2019, it was like KJ Wright was a not so much a forgotten man, but he was he was a cap casualty. Where yeah, he was not, off resigning. everybody's radar. They, exactly. All, all, essentially already written off as he wouldn't be with the team next year. Correct. And then what, lo and behold, what happens with KJ Wright? We sign him to a you know pretty healthy deal, just a good deal overall for both sides. And I don't know about you, but I felt that KJ Wright pretty much outperformed his contract last year for certain. 
So I was looking to you and saying, who do you think is going to be, you know, the KJ Wright of that was of 2019 in 2020? And with that in, Brandon, you could probably guess where I'm going. Who do you think the in is? Well, I know who the in is because I think you <laughs> bragged to me as soon as the signing came across the wire. They're like, there it is. That's the one I'm talking about. And it was when Jaron Reed signed his two-year deal to stay with the Seahawks. Because, yeah, how many Seahawks fans had essentially already written off that here's Jaron Reed. He's going to go somewhere else. He's going to get $15 million. So why should the Seahawks even bother to pay that amount of money? Because... That's that's ultimately what he's going to get. And yeah, it was so it was a little bit surprising to see that the Seahawks were able to bring him back at a relatively reasonable contract. I mean, I look at at the contract that Jaron Reed got and all the things that he can do versus the contract that Quentin Jefferson got. And I go, okay, if we're going to spend money in one place. I'm going to spend it on Jaron Reed rather than a guy like Quentin Jefferson, who I feel like, you know, are those guys that the Seahawks get out there for for two and a half million every single year. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I thought Jefferson, you know, I think it's a good move by Buffalo. And I think I got that one right this oh, time. Yeah. He's, nice. a, he's a nice rotational yes, player. For sure. And, he, and he's good. And he has, you know, his his pressure, you know, rate and things like that when he's rushing. He's he's a good player. He, he's, yeah. a, he's a I, I wish him the best, too. And I think Buffalo is assembling quite a pretty damn good team. And they have a, obviously a sincere opening now in the AFC AFC East to go, to go at it. But the Jaron Reed signing to me was just, it just felt like that KJ of 2019. I'm like, man, we're getting a high quality, uh, you know, uh, still very young defensive tackle and we're getting the dude, okay, we still paid a pretty good amount for him. However, it was nowhere near the amount we would have, we might've had to pay. Let's say Reed, I thought Reed's suspension was just, just rubbish. I thought it was just, you know, over the top and, and BS. But in retrospect, or the silver lining is that kept him off. His numbers were obviously very, very depressed. We just talked about when when Woods went out, when Jefferson got hurt and Clowney went hurt, Reed was not as effective uh, throughout throughout the 2019 season. So his stats don't look as good as they they could have. But if that dude went out last year and let's say had eight or nine or 10 sacks again, which he's you know clearly capable of when he has some surrounding pieces, you know, Reed would be like an 18 million, 20 million dollar a year guy, and it would be Sayonara. No way we could resign him. So I'm actually really hopeful that we got a dude back for two more years who's still really young, who is clearly a damn good uh, you know, a run defender, who can put pressure on as long as he has some complementary pieces or rather yet some lead pieces around him where he doesn't have to be the guy. And I think Reed's going to give us, you know, two solid years of football. So I love this move. I thought it was the, I, I was, I was off my rocker, happy that they went back to Reed. It's a big in for me. Anything else you want to add in, time, in terms of the uh, the read front? Well, it's just the fact, I, and I just wanted to go back to the Jefferson thing, and I don't know if there's really, a, I know I compare those two, and they play different positions. Yeah. But it's just the idea of Quentin Jefferson. I, I talked about him being a complimentary piece, a guy who plays 45 to 55% of the snaps. But Jaron Reed, you go back to his 2018 season, and he's in there for almost 80% of the snaps. So that's a guy that... You're paying him the extra money, but you're getting a whole lot more production uh, just in, in terms of the time that he's on the field. He's not a guy that you really want to bring off the field on. You want him out there on first, second and third down. Yeah, I, I agree. The dude, the dude is that kind of player. And if we're, you know, if we're, if things, I know things are not in a vacuum, but if things were in a vacuum and you're like, would you rather have Reed and Irvin or Reed and Jefferson? You know what? Nope. Give me Reed and Irvin. I, I'll take that package. I think it's a better package. I think it's it more fits what we need to go do. And you know, I don't I don't even have Irvin on the inside. It's a little foreshadowing that it's it's another one of our probably our, one of our biggest signings so that far. That one's not for even sure. official yet. We're still waiting to find. We're still waiting for the official announcement on Irvin. The the announcement or the numbers or is that what they are? Are they kind of one the same? I think they come. They're kind of one and the same. But um, yeah, he's they haven't. You know, they've they've made all all of the other moves that we got you know kind of leaked out through the media yeah. before they had been officially announced by the team. Those have all happened except for Bruce Irvin. Interesting. I wonder if it's a physical thing and they just can't happen at this point. Could but be. Uh, you know, confidence is high. Or they're that, being that, a little bit sneaky, you know, because yeah. they can be at this time. Yeah, yes. Know. You know, John Snyder could be you know very very sneaky. He certainly can be. So I'm digging the read move. That's the second in. All right, Clinton. Well, let's get to a break. We'll come back and we'll close this thing off with two outs and in and and maybe a little bit more talk about uh, what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. 
All right, so we're back on the outside of the ledger, Brendan. Okay, the outs, the, the, again, I want them to be a little bit punchier and just kind of throw them your way. You know, 88 mile per hour fastballs. Maybe it's a curveball. Maybe it's a screwball. I don't know. You tell me as, as it comes out. I at don't you. know what's coming. This is this is why the baseball analogy is so perfect. <laughs> exactly. Unless like, I'm you know, the Houston Astros. Unless you're, but... the, <laughs> unless you're the Astros. And, you know, behind me is my daughter banging cans back here, <laughs> showing you what's coming. You know a little bit what's coming because I did ask you for a phonetic spelling of this earlier. <laughs> However, here's the thing for me. I I was not a huge fan of the six old lineman package. I thought I just thought it was a little bit overly cute with Fant when they were doing it this year. It may have been somewhat effective, and I understand why they did it. The reasoning for me was we didn't have a blocking tight end. You know, we lost our we lost our blocking tight end in Disley. Luke Wilson, in my opinion, is pretty much friggin' worthless. I, I don't really understand that resigning. And Hollister is just not that kind of tight end. I think Hollister is actually rather valuable in modern NFL. And he had a pretty damn good year. Um, but we lost Disley. We didn't have a blocking tight end. So we did that thing with Fant on, you know, being the sixth lineman. But Brandon, I don't get why we go out and sign Cedric Abwehi to a $3.3 million max contract to take the part of Fant for the rotational sixth old lineman, which is what I'm reading is probably how they're going to use them. Now, I'd love to understand from you, of that 3.3 max, what does that really mean? Do we know more about that? But I look at Abwehi and I'm like, that just seems like money down the hole. I'm hopeful that if it doesn't work out, we can just cut bait nice and early. But right now, as it stands, it's a big glaring out for me saying that's way too much money to give to something that I look at as like a niche package when we have Greg Olson and hopefully Disley back. We don't need a six friggin' lineman because we have two very capable blocking tight ends. Yeah, you bring up the the cap part of it too. And I think a lot of us looked at that 3.3 initially and said, yeah, for a guy who plays so little. But when the official numbers came out, it's uh, it's actually a one-year 2.3 million. So I guess the incentives don't even uh, count as, as against the cap. Um, you know, I'm sure he has to do something spectacular maybe to get to the 3.3 number that we saw initially. But uh, he got the 500,000 signing bonus. So essentially, if he if we get into camp and realize that, hey, this guy isn't going to do anything, the Seahawks can cut him and they're just out that $500,000 signing bonus. And if he does make the team, you know, then you're talking about $2.3 million because I, I don't yeah. know how the roster bonus breaks out exactly, but it's another 500000 essentially. I and, got you. But uh, that does, does that seem, even at 2.3, does that seem kind of hefty for like what you've read about this guy so far being like, doesn't 2.3, if he just makes the team and he's on it, seem pretty heavy for a dude that's basically been a washout? He's been a washout and it seems like it's also some character things and toughness things. And like all we hear about is, you know, closing the, the closing the, the the circle of toughness. I don't feel like this guy does that. I don't know him very well. I'm not coming here trying to profess that I know, you know, Cedric Abwehi. I asked you how to pronounce his name for crying out loud before we got on. <laughs> However, what I can read and what I can, you know, uh, process was like, that still seems like a lot of money for a dude, two point something million dollars Seems like a lot of money for a dude where, you know, we have other needs that are way more glaring than a, than a sixth O-lineman. Yeah, he started uh, a majority of games for the Bengals in 2016, 2017. He didn't do anything in 2018. I think it must have been injury related because he only had two games. And then with Jacksonville all last year, he was around for 14 games, but didn't start in any. So it's it is a guy that yeah, I, do, I just... I wouldn't have any high expectations, but when I look at a team that just a few years ago paid Luke Jokel uh, one year eight million dollars versus a boy who is one year, you know, maybe three, probably only two if he stays on the team. That's kind of a win. I think because he was a top uh, half of the draft guy, you're still kind of he's still earning money based off his potential. Yeah, his pedigree still carried him forward. My hope here is, well, it's, it's maybe a double-sided hope. Number one, maybe I'm just dead wrong and he's valuable. That's that's actually probably the best, the basic, the best case scenario. Or he's trash, uh, like my gut is telling me. We cut him. We we don't take a big hit. And Disley and Olsen are, you know, really a great one-two that we're looking for with that with Hollister as a third. And I actually don't also understand the re-signing of a fourth tight end, except for the fact that maybe Disley is just not going to make it back in time. And they already, they already kind of know that that's, yeah. that's very potential. 
but I really don't understand the the. the and I the, think John Schneider is probably just a huge Undertaker fan, and he knows that <laughs> that when Luke Wilson, when he gets that call, he's going to post the Undertaker gif, and and that's just going to inspire him to to keep going. But that, the Luke Wilson sign it doesn't offend me. It, it, it's it's one of those things that if he doesn't make it through. Uh, training camp, it's not that big of a deal. And like you said, it's it's kind of uh, insurance, I guess, for Will Disley. It, it might even be insurance that if they find a guy in the draft that they really like, they're able to take him, then they they can move on from him with, you know, pretty easily. Yeah. And, and just to and, you know, to, to give a little credit to you, to your side of the argument here, we did cut Dixon today. And that was about a three million dollar savings, I think, for, for Ed yep. Dixon. So he was cut and Tedrick was cut uh, to, to put some money back into the ledger, hopefully for Clowney and hopefully for some other moves as well. We'll see how that all plays out. But yeah, you know, we, we still have four. We still have four tight ends. And I'm like, well, OK. And there's lots of talk that that we might go draft, uh, you know, another another tight end yet. And I actually wouldn't be all that upset if we went and did that. There's still so much they could do. It's it's early. This is about setting the table before the draft. So if you if you make it through and don't necessarily get the guys that you want, uh, you have a you have a fallback plan. And I feel like Luke Wilson, it's it's a good fallback plan. I like the dude. I like Techno Thursday. I know there's people that don't, but I, I don't you know. mind it. I, I'm not I'm not even like I'm, I'm not even a hater. Um, you know, it adds to culture. It it, it it's it adds some more nuances and layers to the culture. So I'm coming around to your side there. So, but but again, for the Abway signing, I think it's trash. I think it's going to be uh, hopefully it ends up as a cut, or maybe he's more valuable and he surprises the upside. For now, I'm going to leave it as an out. Let's move on back over to uh, to our last in. Okay, Brandon. So. We're, we're digging deep. So I just went on a tirade about a dude I really didn't know, you know, go, go figure. Right. <laughs> sure. So why not, why not double it up? Why not go with another, another one on the other side of the coin? Listen, I love the Dunbar trade. That's a cool trade. I like we did with Bruce. I like the Olsen signing. Again, these are all the ones that, that are a little bit more talked about. Schneider being a wizard and spending a fifth on a guy like Dunbar. I'm all about that. However, for the third in, I'm going to take a chance with my guy, Chance Warmack for the exact, all the things I just said about Abwehi, about he just didn't cut it whatsoever, never really showed it, all those things. From what I could see with, with Chance Warmack, it's it's a little bit of the opposite. It's not that he stood out and that he was like amazing with the Titans. However, he played and he played, he played quite a bit. He played... And I think, you know, I think he was a, a fairly decent old lineman and I actually kind of like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he was not in the NFL last year, right? He kind of took right. a year off. Mm-hmm. So we got some dude who's fresh and we got a dude that he does have that that legit pedigree, you know, very, very, again, 2013 draft, got to catch them all and we're, we're, going, <laughs> we're going at all these dudes. Yeah, but uh, Alabama, that, yeah, an yes. offensive lineman that did you know, top I 10. Ca- I kind of like drafting big dudes from Alabama where they they know how to run the damn ball, right? So like, I I am just bullish where I'm like really, really bearish on the Abwehi part. I'm just the opposite with Chance Warmack that I think that that dude has a legit shot to to find a spot on our line. And, you know, there's been some interesting moves we made throughout uh, on the line itself, but I'm bullish on Warmack. I'm going to put him as an in. And yeah, I, I know there's sexier things to talk about, but I think Warmack deserves a little bit of our attention. So he's my third in. What do you think? Yeah, I, I feel like maybe you heard me going in it with Adam on our last episode of the Seahawkers podcast on this, because this was kind of the one that I was pounding the table for of, hey, you know, DJ Fluker last year. Yeah, he was fine. I wouldn't say that he was great. And Warmack's a guy who at the on at right guard with the Titans, he he played at above a, a DJ Fluker level, I think. So if you can get him back and out from under Brandon Brooks on the depth chart of the Eagles like he was a couple of years back. Sure, he was playing at the left guard spot there and he couldn't beat out Wisniewski. But, mm-hmm. you know, put him back at his at his right guard spot and let him compete. And if you can get better production than DJ Fluker for a lesser amount. And hey, you know what? Even if Fluker is a backup going into the season, that's fine. Uh, you can have depth on the offensive line and and pay guys, you know, three or four million dollars to be a depth player on the O-line. It's OK. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's I, like, it, you know, we, we bag on the Seahawks offensive line all the time, but yet they don't really pay guys apart from Dwayne Brown and 
uh, Justin Britt. And everybody's talking about Justin Britt and making him take a pay cut or him not even being on the team next year. So it is okay to pay guys on the offensive line. Yeah, that would be nice too. Like, and and you know, it's not it's not sitting here like a Pollyanna being like, oh, Chance Warmack is is the the end all be all. He's However, not going to be a Pro Bowler, but he, you know, he he could be a sufficient starter. Yeah, but I think you know we've seen time and time again that Russ the the Russ does not need Pro Bowl caliber people across the line for him to be effective. Like that's just. He just doesn't need that. Yeah. Now, would it be amazing if if one year he magically had a couple of Pro Bowls or maybe even all Pro folks? Uh, yeah, we would see what happened. Like more more than just Brown, we might see what would happen. But you know, I guess we had uh, you know Upati who was an alternate uh, this year, which God knows how that happened. But that's okay. That's just that's just uh, you know being in the league for a long time. You know, people- Quandre Diggs was an alternate and he played what like four games for the Seahawks before. Yeah, <laughs> the, but he was before awesome. the Pro Bowl voting <laughs> came out. <laughs> yeah, but he actually deserved it. He, it was awesome. Yeah. Back to some uh, Schneider wizardry, right? Um, but I, but I am bullish on this one. I do dig it. And you know, if we're not going to go for that ten million and twelve million dollar guys, I am a little disappointed because there were some players that got uh, that got snatched up on the offensive line um, that I thought were approachable, and I thought would have been like, you know, would it be nice just to go solidify with with a veteran who you know can do it? And again, we really haven't done that. It's been more been more the Finney and been more the, the Warmack and and we'll see how that all works out. Um, however, I, I'm I'm just I'm feeling I'm feeling good about this one. I've been wrong before. I might be wrong this time, but you know if you're going to take a chance, give me that big big ass dude from Alabama who has done it on teams like Tennessee that ran the damn ball. You mm-hmm. know, and and that's no matter you we could talk until we till the freaking cows come home about. You know, uh, the Seahawks are going to pivot and they're going to change and, and Russ is going to get in the ear of Pete. Sure, he might. And there might be again, we saw a, a pretty great increase from 2018 to 2019 in the percentage of run pass. And we ran a hell of a lot more plays because we were more, we were just more, a little bit more up tempo. We ran more plays and we had a greater volume of pass to run versus 2018. Might we see another increase? Yes. Is it going to be the freaking air raid all of a sudden? No, it's not going to be that. We're going to still run the ball, and we're still going to run the ball more than most NFL teams run the ball. That's right. who we are. Don't freaking get your hopes up or get delusional about it. However, I'd say this. We could win that way. We could actually win the damn Super Bowl that way, and, and we've been in it almost every single year and have a chance to do it. So that's my third in. I don't even know why I'm fired up about the guy. Maybe it's just his name, but Chance Warmack. I, I got a feeling. All right, Brandon, bouncing back over to our third out. This one, I'm going to put the, I don't typically like to qualify stuff before I talk. With this one, I'll put the qualifier out that this is the one that I could be the most wrong about. And that's saying something. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that is saying something, Brandon. I am not right that often. But this one, I am putting it out right now on Philip Dorsett. I am okay. not feeling Dorsett. I've listened to the podcast. I listened to you guys. I listened to the Seahawk Nest guys. I've listened to Corbin Smith over on Locked On. I get it. He doesn't drop balls. He probably would be really good in the slot. He has tremendous speed. He might have been utilized the wrong way. I, I get all that. And I still feel like we're settling. I feel like this is to me like like uh, Jerron Brown 2.0 for me. I feel like we're going to a dude that we're going to say we signed him and therefore he's the guy and he gets like a year and a half of attempts. And I'm just not convinced right now that Philip Dorsett is anything more than just a jag in this league. And I know he's got the skill set and I maybe Brady couldn't go downfield as much as, as, uh, as you know, Dorsett would, would liked him to, but he had luck and he had Brady He's been an underperformer since day one. I'm an out right now, and it's because I feel like we're settling. And when it comes to having a third wide receiver, we saw what happened last year when it's like when we had to depend on Malik Turner or we had to depend on Moore, we didn't have that third wide receiver. It came back to bite us in the ass in crucial situations with bad drops and some, and potentially even in the Green Bay game, might have been why we lost. I like to see them go at this in the draft and do more to try to like get some competition at WR3. So right now, Dorsett is an out for me. Hey, he's fine. He, to me, this is 
like going to the Luke Wilson move. You are setting the table. So if things don't work out the way you want in the draft, then you have a guy there who can fill in that spot. To me, I think it's an upgrade over Jerron Brown. It sounds like you're saying, I, yeah, I one or the other type. No, no, no. I, I think it is. Okay. I think it's an upgrade over Brown. I just, it feels brownish to me and I want it to feel better than that. Brownish, like a, <laughs> like a number two, but not a number two. Correct. More of a number three, right. which I don't know what that is. I don't know even where that comes you from. You know exactly what that is. Stop, stop being coy. <laughs> but Dorsett, he, I don't think we're going to see any kind of wow production factor out of him. If he can be the guy who's like Ricardo Lockett or... Jermaine curse, then, okay, then okay. I think that's where I see him filling that role. And then you kind of, you hope that something positive can come out of the draft where maybe they pick a guy in the fourth round and he actually sticks on the team and makes some plays or, mm-hmm. or maybe one of your seventh round picks from last year ends up playing like sure. a guy that you thought was going to play this year who didn't play this year in John or <laughs> Yeah. That was one of my many, uh, Let's call them bold predictions. Yeah, I, I, I'm with let, you. Let's face it. Your track record with wide receivers, it, it kind of stinks, Clinton. It's not great. It's not. <laughs> although I must say, I did love Lockett the day, the moment we took him. I was like, ah, this guy's great. Just, you know, professional. <laughs> give me professional route runners all day long in the yeah. NFL. Like those are the dudes that any dude that can get separation, those are your guys, especially if they have hands like, like Lockett does. Um, you know, and again, this is the one where I'm like, I might be the most wrong. Like this is a dude who may be... Maybe when it's all said and done, we're looking at like, you know, 40 to 50 catches, you know, whatever, 40 catches, 600 yards, four touchdowns and helps the team win, you know, and, and is, is good on third downs and barely drops any passes. I'd sign for that with a WR3. Maybe that's what Dorsett is. I'm just in, still in my brain. I'm like, I think we could do better. And when you have the opportunity with a one-two combo that you have with, with uh, Metcalf and Lockett or vice versa. That ability to get a WR3 and really, really change uh, the dynamic of the team is it's it's intriguing to me. And I feel like if it's just Dorset, we're not putting enough gasoline or enough chips on that bet that we could. And so I'm I'm really looking forward to the draft to see there's a ton of wide receiver talent. You've had Rob Staten on and, and others. You've gone through the wide receiver core. There's a lot of really good looking talent out there for, for WRs. I'm really hopeful that we spend a fairly high draft pick. I'm looking, you know, maybe a second rounder and get another wide receiver and see if they could compete for that WR3. If that happens, this is way less of an out and more of like, oh man, if he if he beats out the young guy and he deserves it, awesome. That means he's playing at a high caliber and I think we're pretty damn set at wide receiver. But it, I think it depends on what happens in just a couple of weeks of the draft for me. If this move ends up being an out of the of the entire offseason if the guy who's expected to catch i don't know the fifth most passes on the team from russell wilson ends up being an out and and is that significant i i think there's probably worse moves that john schneider is going to make in this offseason and yeah, or, or like i hope a, maybe that would be the worst yeah i mean we already, we already talked about a boy so you know like we've set the bar <laughs> fairly low here for for moves but you know but I'm with you, you know, the, the, the sober yin to my raging yang on this one. I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm wrong. I'm hopeful Dorsett finds that kind of home in Seattle and just, you know, reaccelerates his career because, hey, it, I will say this, of all the arguments I heard, the dude's got speed, the dude can play slot. He just was not going to play slot with Edelman there. And if he has, you know, if he could combine his quickness with the hands he has and can go do some nice things, well, guess what? He's walking into a situation where he has the most accurate deep ball passer in the NFL with Russell Carrington Wilson's sexy deep balls. Man, I hope I'm wrong. I'm actually starting to get fired up. This is one of those last outs when you win that kind of starts to feel like an in. So you know it what circles I'm, back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a circle of life. I just watched the remake of Lion King. It was oh, yeah. fine. You know, it was fine. But but hopefully Dorset is the uh, the circle of Seahawks life here. All right, as we get into the last little segment of the show here, which this is usually our From the Flock segment, I called out the fact that I got a one-star review uh, for field goals last week, and we had some people pull through on the review side, so we'll read those. But there's a question. You know, since you said this, Clinton, it's kind of been sticking with me. Why is it you, when you talk about the sober yin and the raging yang, why is it you that always gets to, to have the raging yang? Very, very simple answer. 
number one, I drink a lot more than than you do. Number you're, number two, you're currently drinking a diet squirt. As you confirm, <laughs> you confirm with me, and I'm I'm drinking a beer. And number three, I'm from New York, and you're from Montana. So that's <laughs> okay. All right. So so you get the you get to hang with the raging Yang. I got Cor- it. Correct. All right. <laughs> Getting into some reviews. Hey, we'll start off. You know, I, I had the one star review last week that I read, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kick this off with another one star review. Although I do have a caveat. This one comes from JA206. The title of it is always a solid C. This podcast is a good compliment to the others, but is ultimately dry. And the reason why I'm taking this as a compliment, I went back into the archives and I saw that JA206, he's still listening after reviewing the show and calling it Homer BS all the way back in September. So I feel like this is an upgrade. Now I've upgraded from Homer BS to a solid C. Listen, I mean, some people, you know, that are, they're going to grade against the curve in a different way. And this person happens to, seems like a pretty hypercritical person. You know, you got to, you got to take the good, take the bad with this. And uh, the, the thing that I've learned in, in my business world is the opportunity here is to, to hug your haters, right? You hug your haters, you bring them closer, you, you take their feedback and then you wow them, and, and then they become your biggest advocates over time. So yeah. this, uh, this, this, this Jr. I think it was Jr. Ja, uh, yeah. Ja, he, you know, like I said, the uh, the Jets, the Jets with their Al Woods move, like whoof. But <laughs> this this Ja, uh, you know, you have an opportunity here to bring him along to become a a real advocate of the show because the man's still listening. So we got to thank him for that. He's still listening, and in a world where a solid C equals one star in the review world, so yeah, that seems that seems askew to me. Like I said, that's like you know the kid getting a seventy two, but you know everybody else got eighty nines and ninety ones, so it's an yeah. F which is not great. I did get a couple five-star reviews. One that says informative, great Seahawks podcast. Thanks for doing it. The ads are pretty annoying, but I understand the need to have them. From DKM Irishman 27. Very nice. Well, DK, quickly, uh, you know, hope your, hope your, uh, your, your St. Patty's day was, was as fun as it could be this year. And I'll say one thing just on your behalf there, Brandon, you know, in terms of ads, um, you know, that's what pays the bills, right? So, like, in when there's podcasts and and uh, obviously with uh, with uh, field goals, they're, they're supported by ads. And and by the way, there's a beautiful little skip thirty second button. Not that we want to skip past any advertisers, but it's right there. It's kind of like your blinker on your car. Like if you, you want can to tell use me, you're, it. it's yeah. there. It comes with the vehicle. It's right there. You can tell me you're going left or right, as opposed to just you know just you know warning me with your with your fender, which is which is not the best way to do it. And if you want to skip the ads, you you could just hit the 30 seconds and maybe once or twice and voila, you're back to, to Brandon's uh, amazing voice. People always think that, uh, that radio is this great invention, but there's also a volume knob on said radio that I've used for the entirety of my radio listening experience that when like an annoying ad comes on, I turn the volume down. It's yeah. like using the skip button, except you just get to listen in silence for a little bit. It's, you know, the see this once again, this is why you're the sober yin. You're proving my point here, Brendan. And one last one says my favorite Seahawks podcast. Thank you for this awesome podcast and best wishes all the way from Austria in Europe. Go Hawks from what? Friction 1985. I like everything about that. I like the year. I like the handle. I like Austria. Well done. 1985. Good year. That's a great year. That's like, you know. takes me to what I've been watching over these last few weeks. You know, a lot of people, uh, Tiger King apparently is the thing that everybody's supposed to watch right now. I haven't watched it yet. Me neither. Uh, so, me neither. so I don't know, but it, it does feel like everybody's talking about it. And that's what, like I said, it's the thing that everybody apparently is supposed to watch now. I don't know how that happens. It just does. And, uh, but I've been watching uh, Goldberg's talk about 1980s. And, yeah. and that show takes me back. I'm watching that and schooled uh, over these past couple of weeks. Schooled to have it seen yet. Goldberg's, I think, is is well done and funny and definitely has that great, you know, just had, they, they capture its, right? Um, and what, where I thought you were going, which is on Netflix, another one on Netflix is the, uh, the, the, the Toys That Made Us, mm. where they go over like the 1980s and like late 80s toys. And they kind of spend like 15, 20 minutes on particular sets of toys and how they got made. And they'll go through, we talked about some Ninja Turtles earlier. They'll go through the Ninja Turtles and how they had to pitch it and how it was almost killed and and almost never had the light of day and then became this gigantic hit. Really quite cool too. So if anybody wants to kind of go down a nostalgia lane, if you, or maybe just history, if if you're a younger listener, the toys that made us on Netflix is pretty cool. And it takes you through that, uh, that kind of mid to late 80s pocket of 
the toys that really exploded and became big. That's where I thought you were going when you talked no, about 1985. I, but now I'm intrigued. I'm wondering if this is a show, you know, being a product of the 80s. Sure. You know, if this is the type of show where, you know, because toys are involved, it would would younger kids be interested in knowing what their parents played with as kids. And I think there's plenty of good bridges specifically in that show because they're talking about WWF characters. They're talking about, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. These are things that still are very relevant. Now, My Little Pony, you know, so like these are things that are still here now. So it's not just that they were like Cabbage Patch dolls and blew up and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. These are things that are like, that are still with us. So culturally relevant now that, yeah, you can slap your kids down and check it out. Let's take that and, and you know, Par, par check that for each parent because I think they might kind of uh, there might be some choice language with with people as they're talking about their their you know ventures okay. getting these things live. But so watch an episode or two and then you know and then if you feel it's uh, ready for your kids, I think it's a good one. You know that reminds me of the other show that I've been watching, Lego Masters. Have you yes. watched this yet? Oh, love, <laughs> love that that has become yeah that that's a that's a hit in the Bonner house, man. Lego Masters okay, is. Good. Now, typically we watch it like the day after because it starts, although with the whole quarantine, it's been like, well, what the hell does time mean anyway? My kid's got to go to virtual school the next day. So sure, stay up. Stay <laughs> Sleep up, in. Know? Yeah, it's whatever. Just, it does, just roll out of bed and do what, we, do, do what the parents do. Just roll out of bed and show up. Um, you know, showing up is, is half the battle. Uh, but yeah, Lego Masters, Brandon, that, I think they've just captured it. There's been so, I mean, there's been so many of those you know, uh, just competition shows throughout the last decade now. And yet between Will Arnett and then just it being Lego focused and the team dynamics and the challenges they bring, it's a home run for me. I think Lego Masters is like my my favorite, um, my favorite of the, the the challenge shows that I've seen probably in the last five, six, seven years. It's it's wonderful. Yeah. Fox has kind of hit it out of the park with that hour to hour time slot with the mass Singer and uh, and Lego Masters in our household because those are like the back-to-back family shows that have been a, a go-to for us. I thought I wasn't going to like The Masked Singer because I'm not a huge fan of karaoke. Like it's just mm-hmm. like, I like live music. I actually love live music. We'll go see live bands. And I like, you know, going to see like a, a two-piece uh, acoustic and it's, you know, two dudes or a guy and a girl and they're doing their thing and they're harmonizing in a bar and I'm drinking a pint. That's wonderful. Like I, I will eat that up all day. And yet karaoke kind of just bugs the crap out of me. <laughs> However, the mass singer has some pull to it. And I'd say again, kind of the the other piece that's that I didn't expect is that it's introducing my kids to music they don't they haven't heard yet. Oh, so they, yeah. they go hear a Stevie Wonder song or they go hear an Elton John song or whatever it might be that they hear and they and they and then they're then they're singing it the next day. And I'm like, well, they wouldn't they would not have been exposed to a really kick-ass Stevie Wonder song, if not for the mass singer. So for if if that's all that happens, that's a win in my book. They're getting exposure to some really good older music that, that, that just really probably wouldn't be hitting their ears uh, quite yet. You know what? That's a good point about it because now it's it's popularizing some of that old some of those older songs. Yeah. And the and you know frankly the costumes are really cool. <laughs> like they're really detailed and very well done. And then again the smattering of judges like uh, uh, Ken Jung is he's funny as hell. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> you know, and then the celebrities that they've gotten yeah. too, because I think the first couple seasons, my kids have kind of struggled because they didn't know who a lot of the people were. But then uh, Jojo Siwa was one of the was one of the characters, and as soon they knew, uh, almost like as soon as she came out and was dancing and doing her kicks in the T Rex costume, they're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, that's Jojo Siwa!" I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Yeah, I had to Google a couple <laughs> things, like, "Oh, she babysat for the Kardashians." I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> Oh, you know this? <laughs> but I question my so parenthood. You find, you find yeah. out things about your kids this way too, I guess. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a you know it's a real path to discovery is what it's been for the Bonners. It's been, but I agree, man. They have that. They got a one-two punch there with those two that just um, they they've hit some magic and they they I think they kind of know it. But they they got some great characters. Lego Masters to me is the A one of the group. But as a one-two, listen, as a one-two, it's a little uh, Disley Olsen. Let's put it that way. They're both high quality. So what's what's going in uh, what's playing in the Bonner household on your playlist? Uh when we talk we talk of music. Is this is this where we're going? No, no, on your on your TV, on your watch list. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So I've been so I have a hard time with like reality TV. And I wouldn't put Lego Masters in the realm of reality. That that to me is That's competition. Com- yeah, competition challenges are, are different. Uh, obviously it's got a, a realm of reality, but I'm not talking like big brother type stuff. So I'm not into the Tiger King yet. 
Um, I probably won't get into it. I'm a sucker for history. So uh, on Netflix, there's a new a new series that's um, like I think it's called like the biggest events of World War II in color. It just came out. It's a 2020 or 2019 thing. Late late 2019. It's a Netflix original. So I love WW2, uh, you know, warfare stuff, and it's and it really covers the biggest stuff. So it's um so it's like the Battle of Britain, the Battle of Midway, it's the, the Blitzkrieg, it's Normandy. But they're going deep enough that I'm learning even brand new stuff that I didn't, I had no idea about. I'll give I'll give the listeners a for example. So for example. After um, after France had fallen to Germany, I had no idea that Churchill ordered the British Navy to bomb the French Navy like four or five days after France had, you know, waved the flag and gave up. He pulled up, it pulled into Algiers, into the port, and the British Navy sank the French Navy ships, killing 1,300 French soldiers about five days after the French gave up. Strictly because he could not let Hitler get his hands on the French Navy because it was so capable. I never knew that. Hmm. It's like, imagine that happening today where like they were their number one ally five days ago. They roll up into Algiers and they blast in the smithereens, killing 1300 Navy people, whatever that is in French. I, I, I don't speak French and sinking a bunch of their ships. That blew my mind. Yeah, I don't know what the French word for sailors is, but I know the the American word is sailors. <laughs> That's very <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> so, but and and that is and that is what's on at least my uh, my playlist. Uh, so, not that that's a, a family affair for certain, but that's what I've been digging into uh, the last couple of let's say five nights. Well, right on, Clinton. Uh, thanks for pitching the the getintheflock.com. I know not only have we been getting together on the Ring of Honor Facebook group, but uh, the Slack group has been getting a little bit more active. So if you're not a Facebook person, uh, there's there's the Slack group that we'll send an invite to you if you go to getintheflock.com and listen to the next episode coming up of the Seahawkers podcast. We're going to be starting a at least monthly giveaway, maybe even a little more semi-regular type giveaway for uh, those of our, our folks who are in the flock at getintheflock.com. Awesome. Yeah. Great group. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Brandon. Be safe out there. Have fun and uh, hope everybody in your community can be as well as they can be and that everything we're going through is over as soon as it possibly can be over. And then we get back to just fun and barbecue and the warm weather. And then we hit the summer and then we're into football and then we're talking Seahawks a lot more. And I think with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.